Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. And welcome to episode two of the Mike and Mo Show. I am Mike Calandrillo. He is Maurice Moten. Mo, that's me. What do we got on the docket today? Uh, today we're going to talk some NFL Combine. I know some people don't find it that interesting, but I find certain bizarre things interesting about it. We're going to talk Knicks. We're going to get into some smaller subjects about some transactions. And we're going to wrap it up with a question for Mike. Ooh, fancy. Yeah, we try to, we, we try to alternate it because we don't want all the attention going to me, even though I'm the more active Twitter person. But we want to get Mike involved, so we're going to ask him some questions as well. Yeah, please don't let me feel, uh, feel left out anymore. But we're going to start off with the NFL Combine, and what I found very interesting about the Combine, and you've probably seen snippets of it on Twitter, about how the Combine is actually conducted with interviews and things of that matter. I mean, we all know the 40-time bench pressing, all the physical stuff people look at, and they clock, and they time, and people say, well, is it important? Is it not important? What I feel is interesting to talk about is the questions that they ask, because some of the interview questions, to me... Seem out of line. I mean, we've all been to job interviews. We've all been asked job interview questions, what to prepare for. And you go to an interview and you you expect certain questions. And these NFL players shouldn't be any different, I feel. But they go into these combines and these general managers and scouts, of that matter, and they just ask some bizarro questions. Uh, Austin Lane, former, former Murray State football player, he was drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars in the fifth round. He shared some of the questions that, w- that were asked of him over Twitter. And this is what he came up with. Um, do you think your mother is attractive? I see you have dreads. You smoke weed, don't you? If you had to murder someone, would you use a gun or a knife? Now, to me, those things seem out of bounds. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> I can't. Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to believe that those are actually like real questions. But I, I too, heard the... Uh, those same topics on ESPN. Uh, yeah, they're horrible. Uh, I don't know how you can ask uh, anyone you, you think your mother's attractive. Like Seriously, like, I, I, I love my mom. I, I always say, you know, I absolutely love my mom, but not that type of way. Absolutely. I actually so, I actually heard on, on ESPN they, them say, do you think your mom's sexy? That was what I heard. Maybe they asked a different player that, and I just think that's weird as all heck because why why would you why would you phrase a question like that i mean right to me and to me the bigger picture is what do these things have to do with football if you want to find out if a person smokes weed or not just look at their record have they been busted have do they have you know what was their combine test like you know people come to the combine and fail these tests these drug tests so to make a generalization that people who have dread smoke weed to me is just way out of line oh yeah and you just set a person up for a poor answer when you ask, well, what would you do if you were going to murder a person, stab him or shoot him? Like, what are you? How are you supposed to answer that? Well, maybe, maybe what they're looking for, and I'm again, I'm just, I'm taking a, a stab at it. Never mind. No, no, I'm taking a stab at it. Um, maybe what they're looking for is they're looking, and I don't know. Maybe they're trying to say like, oh, I wouldn't kill anyone. I wouldn't shoot anyone. Maybe that's what they're looking for. I don't know. I've never taken one of these tests before. See, and that's the thing. And it's like, why, if you want to find out certain information, certain characteristics, certain, uh, you know, personalities about people, why don't you just ask a more direct question? But to ask a roundabout question and to just parse from there and, and just kind of mold your own type of identity of someone, it's kind of, to me, it's odd. A uh, former Oregon State player had a question asked of him, Oban Guancham, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing his name, but he was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks and now plays for the New Orleans Saints. A uh, person asked him, when did you lose your virginity? And to me, again, that seems out of line. What does that have to do with football? Whether I'm a virgin or not, you know, or whether I started young or not, what does that have to do with actually playing football on the field? Well, nothing. And it kind of seems like uh, this, I don't know, and maybe this is just some kind of like rite of passage that these NFL people are putting these, you know, these rookies 
through. Uh, maybe so it's like a, a hazing. Yeah, thing. exactly. I mean, it could be. It maybe it probably not, but it, it just doesn't make any logical sense of what kind of questions they're being asked because they're just totally out of bounds and out of left field. So that's the only thing that can come to me is like we're just gonna try to embarrass these guys as much as possible because it's they're that's they're rookies. That's what they deserve. I don't know. See, I don't mind silly questions like I know Austin Lane also posted a question on Twitter, boxes or briefs. See, I don't mind that because, I mean, that's personal, but it's like, yeah, who cares? But when you start asking personal questions about, like, your personal life, like what you've done and, you know, do you think your mom's attractive and stuff like that, I believe is just a little too far out of line. You know, there are, there are, there are flutter questions where, and you see this on presidential debates where they ask what they call light questions. And that's fine. But if you're on TV or you're uh, you're asking someone about their virginity or thinking their mother is attractive or any relative for that matter, that has nothing to do with the process, and it's too it's too personal to be a light quote unquote light question. No, definitely, and and I think what it's going to take for this to change is that eventually these players are going to have to t- talk to their their agents, and they're going to have to not go to the combine. I mean, these guys are just going to have to say flat out, "I'm not going to subject myself to this stupidity." You know, it's one thing to go there and measure, you know, how tall I am, how big my biceps are, how fast I run the 40, but to be interrogated with just asinine questions, it, there's no point. It's a waste of time for everyone. And, and this is what, this is one of the things that turns people off from the combine when they do, you know, frivolous stuff like that. And, you know, if I was a second round or if I, if I knew I was going to get drafted, you know, this is an interview, and they always tell you when you go into an interview, you should have questions of your own. Sure. I would fire back with a question. Like, if a guy's going to ask me about, you know, my mom, Virginia, or something like that, I would say, well, do you fantasize about NFL players in the locker room at all? And they'll probably look at me sideways, but I'm like, well, if you're going to ask me an inappropriate question, I should be able to ask you an inappropriate question in return. Well, maybe that's that's possibly what they're looking for. They're looking to see how a player reacts, because if he gets asked you know, questions by the media after a game, after a loss. Maybe Good they point. want they want to see, hey, he can't hold his cool. He's not, you know, he's not a guy who can handle the pressure. I, and again, this is all speculation. But, you know, it, it just, to me, it doesn't make any sense. So maybe they're asking stupid questions just to get under a player's skin. Maybe, and they're trying to see how they handle questioning. But I, I, would, I would caution that them answering questions to a person who may give them a job versus of the media, two different segments, but I, I get your point on that, but they have to know the room, know the arena, like, this is a whole different set, like, you're 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 basically out there interviewing a person for a job, whereas the media just wants answers to a question so they can write a story, I, I would know about this, but, I mean, again, it's, it's just a, a poor way of going about it, testing their media set by doing that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, in the in the locker room, a media member is not going to ask a player that type of question. You know, and if they, if they do, a player is going to either walk away or he's going to say something totally inappropriate. And it is it, it is what it is. You know, you, you ask a question, you get a response. I mean, that's... I, I, guess, I guess they're testing to see if a player is going to be more like Russell Wilson or Cam Newton in front of the media. Which is... Which is he going to walk away? Is he going to answer gracefully or what? As, absolutely. And that's funny because that's one thing that actually came up this week that the New York Yankees are actually training their, their rookies and their players to act more like Russell Wilson and, and less like Cam Newton, which is really kind of bizarre. That's a dangerous president to send to to, to, to send to your to your, to your team, but whatever works. I mean, I'm not within the Yankees organization; they can do whatever they want. But to say you should act like this and not this, eh, I, I wouldn't go there. But again, they can do what they want. Yeah, you know, when you're uh when you're the probably what the third most uh, valued franchise in all of professional sports i guess you can do what you want but yeah like you said it's uh, it's an interesting way of running a business but you know i'm not i've never been the biggest fan of the combine i think it is kind of like a dog and pony show to a certain extent and and right. you, you know again i mean how much does it really translate to the field you know these guys shoot up the combines uh, uh perriman last year who was with uh, ucf you know here in orlando 
Rashad Perryman, uh, super fast. I mean, I, I don't remember exactly what he ran. It might have been a 4-2-4, maybe something even lower than that. It was something insane. And he shot all the way from like a mid-third, fourth round to, to a first round to Baltimore. And again, yeah, he's fast. So is Darius Hayward Bay. And these guys, it doesn't necessarily translate into being an NFL-type receiver. Now, we didn't see Perriman at all last year because he had, yeah, he had one injury after the other. But again, he played at UCF. Okay, I know that one year you played with Bortles, and you know he's a, a decent NFL quarterback right now. But uh, there's just, I don't know, there's so much that can be said for dudes running around in their underwear really, really fast. They don't have a helmet on. There's nobody chasing them. We're not, we're not padded up. I, I don't I just don't see how it necessarily is going to to get these guys to what they look like on every Sunday and Monday from here on out. I, I always say there's nothing that that's really good that could happen out of the out of the NFL combine. It's only downhill because let's say a player w- works out well and he looks good on paper and on timing. But as you said, you got to get on the field. And you still got to play. Now, if a player shows up and he fails a drug test or he can't bench press his own body weight, then that may be a problem. Depending on what you, which it well, the drug test obviously is a problem for any team because then you may not be on the field on Sunday. Sure. But as far as like bench pressing in your forty time, unless the coach is looking for a specific type of player, like I need a fast receiver, I need a fast running back, then those things don't really matter either. So I tell people all the time, do not fall in love with players at the NFL Combine because when it when it's the draft time, things change. You still have free agency that has to come up at early March, around March 9th, I believe. Officially, players can sign contracts at that point, but things are going to change between now and the draft. So I wouldn't fall in love with anyone with a fast 40 or, you know, a nice bench press or a good cone drill time. You know, just temper your expectations a little. Yeah, absolutely, and I feel like this the combine really in general is for those guys from the smaller schools that people don't know of that we didn't get to watch every Saturday on national TV. I mean, again, Jameis Winston didn't throw last year at the combine, but we saw what he did for you know two years at FSU. So it doesn't you don't really again if you're the type of player that's proved it you know on the field you don't necessarily have to go to the combine. I mean, I'm not an NFL scout, but I don't think it's going to really affect the player at the bot, you know, at the end of the day, if he's going to be a first round pick or a second round pick, if he's already proved what he can do, you know, on, on, on the field. On to things that actually matter. The NBA is uh, obviously past the NFL start break where games are really starting to count for playoff standings and, and movement and, you know, in June, May, June, April, May, June. But um, the Knicks fired Derek Fisher, obviously, you may know two weeks ago. Hallelujah. Uh, there's a maraud of reasons why. I mean, that's <laughs> obvious, but as far as why he was fired, yeah, a little speculation there. But um, the Knicks have lost nine of the last ten games. They're in a slump. Uh, Carmelo Anthony is obviously frustrated, and he blames it on the influx of moving parts around him between head coaches moving, GMs moving, players in and out. And I just feel like he's partially to blame for this. Now, obviously, Phil Jackson is the guy who moves the puzzle pieces, and he hit the reset button, and the Knicks dropped and, you know, had their worst record, 17-65, in franchise history. But before that, if you rewind it a little bit, let's just take a step back. When Melo came to the Knicks, the Knicks had to trade away some parts just to get him. And keep in mind, he was on an expiring contract, but he was going to be a free agent anyway. But he forced his way out of Denver to come to New York, his dreamland, his place where he grew up, whatever, Red Hook. But I say this, if you're going to come to a team and the team has to give up the farm for you, you can't complain about, you know, restarting and, oh, we don't have players and this and this and this and that. Because you could have came to the Knicks, they didn't have to give up their trade pieces, and you could have had some flexibility as far as compensating for Amari Sotomayor's deterioration down the line. Now, the Knicks gave up Timothy Mozgov, Wilson Chandler, Danilo Gallinari, uh, Rafe Raymond Felton, who obviously came back, but they also gave up a first-round pick in 2014. So I'm not placing all the blame on Miller, but what I'm saying is they could have had some parts, some trade pieces to kind of pair him up with someone else, especially that that would have came in handy, especially because of Stoudemire's decline. Now, I don't know if you agree with me on this, but he, he's got to suck it up now. As they say, you reap what you sow, you make your own bed, you have to lie now, I don't know if you agree with me, Mike, but he, he has to, he has his fingerprint on this. So are you saying like that lady yelled at LeBron the other night, suck it up, LeBron! Yeah, basically. <laughs> I'm the old lady yelling at Melo in the front row of MSG. You gotta suck it up, dude, because yeah. we you know we gave up some parts to get you here. Yeah, it's it's, we, it's very true. We could have just signed. 
know what I mean? Yeah, but, and his camp used that, uh, you know, the old adage, hey, if you don't trade for him now, he's going to re-sign in Denver. And the Knicks fell for it. You know, they obviously <laughs> really, really wanted him. The, the only thing I'll say on Carmelo's behalf is that this trade has been terrible for both teams. Uh, you look at Denver, and, and while they did get a young Danilo Gallinari, who has, still has potential, he's had one injury after the, the other. Uh, Wilson Chandler's missed this entire season. Raymond Felton, yeah, he's he hasn't really done much uh, since he, you know, I think, where is he now? Is he in Denver, Dallas? <laughs> I believe, yes, he's in Dallas, Dallas, struggling for timeshare with J.J. Barea and Devin Harris. Mm, okay, and Omi Ega, it's a great point guard <laughs> battle. And then you've got Mozgov, who, you know, is okay, he's, he's with the Cavs now, and he was going to get traded, you know, last week. But, again, you can't you can't really figure what's going to happen with injuries. But, yes, at the time, it was, it was yeah, it was a bad trade. But, again, do you, if you remember... Denver was a two seed a couple of years ago in the Western Conference and right. still couldn't get over that hump. So it, it, it this is where it, it you're correct. It does fall on Camelo because it's time that he needs to take a look in the mirror and say, what do I have left to offer? We've been playing a long time. He's been a pro since he's what nineteen. I mean, there's a lot of miles on those legs. So if he wants to win, uh, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to make a sacrifice and go elsewhere, or he's gonna have to just be quiet and and. He signed the suck contract. Play it out. Yeah, suck it up. I mean, you know what you got yourself into. You got a max deal. You got a you got a a, a possible uh big time piece in in Kristaps Porzingis. You've got nice pieces around, but again, there's not a ton of of flexibility with the roster or salary cap. But again, you knew what you were getting yourself into. So he didn't want to get traded last week. He didn't want to go to Cleveland. Reports come out today that uh, Boston wanted to make a serious attempt and was willing to send at least one to two uh, draft picks that they hold uh, this summer for him. He didn't want to go to Boston. So if you don't want to get traded, then you can't complain. I mean, it's really that simple at the end of the day. I mean, you you put yourself into a corner, and now you just have to deal with it. It's 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 not that it's not brain surgery, right? See, the the thing is, you know, the Knicks they traded a lot of parts, right? And I, and I and I'm not here to say I knew it was going to happen with the parts that they traded, but let's say they kept those parts, and then they had Melo and Stoudemire there. Now you can use those parts to trade for someone else who might have been worth something, sure. and then you could have had a big three in New York. But you didn't have that option. You let parts go. You traded a first-round pick. And then they went in the Knicks. This is on the Knicks front office. They went and got Bariani, and they, they sacrificed another first-round pick for that because, they, again, they didn't have parts to trade for Bariani, so they had to sacrifice another draft pick. Well, To me, that falls back on Melo a little bit. It does. It does. And, and you know, the guy's, the guy's kind of been a light lightning rod all these years for, you know, for everybody's kind of decline and downfall. But, you know, taking a step back away from Melo for a minute, you've got to at least appreciate what Phil Jackson did, you know, by not trading the one draft pick that they have, a 2018 first-round pick. You know, he said, look, I, I signed on the dotted line. I've made my bet I'm going to lie in it. Uh, so by him not trading, I know it's still two years away. At least he – it looks like Phil's going to be here for at least the next two years because there's always that speculation that he's going to go back to L.A., Jeannie Buss is going to bring him home. But at least – Phil has kind of put his stamp and said, I'm not going anywhere. So, Carmelo, you knew what you were getting yourself into. You said, I know it's not going to happen overnight. And look, you're not – you guys started out a lot better this year. I mean, there was a point there where it's like, oh, we're going to be the four seed in the East. It hasn't <laughs> It hasn't gone well for the past month and a half, two months. Unfor well, well, you know, if Derek Fisher wasn't trying to talk to everyone's girlfriend, well, yeah, then, he's, well, you know, hey, he could have maybe had a better record. Don't but, hate you know? the player, hate the game, all right, my man? <laughs> Well, the player's out of the game now, so yeah. I don't know where he is. He's, he's, but, I think I saw him on a cruise. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I mean, Valentine's Day just passed. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. They're trying to make a couple of pickups. Hey, lock up, pick up. lock up your girl. Lock up your girl. That's all I have to say about that. Because Fish, Fisher is coming. He, he, he's not picky. He don't he's play around. Mm -mm. But, it's, you know, it's, at the end of the day, everybody kind of needs to take uh, take some of the blame. And and just deal with it, you know. It's uh, this season's about over. It's a wash. Knicks are not going to make the playoffs. So Carmelo, we'll I guess we'll revisit this uh, before the uh, NBA draft. We'll decide once again if we're going to see if uh, Mike Conley or somebody else is going to come to the Knicks. And if uh, if the Knicks are unable to make any moves to better that roster for the 2016-17 season, then 
perhaps it's time that Melo takes whatever deal he can get to go to a potential winner because it's just as a Nick fan and I'm sure as for the other players in that in that locker room it just gets old hearing the same stuff every day and it's not motivating at this point it's like Kobe trying to you know rally the troops in LA a couple years ago it just you can't you can only get so much out of you know what you have around you and if you can't make the players better around you then you know maybe yeah it's on you my man Quick, quick note about Melo. If he's going to complain about what's going on with the team, as the star player, you, you need to get out there and you need to start recruiting players to come. And if players don't want to come play with you, that says more about you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because players now have, they have a lot of leverage about where they want to go and who they want to play with. So my thing is, if you're, if you're this great player and no one wants to play with you, what does that say about your, your play style? What does that say about your game? Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, this guy was the top 15 player not but two seasons ago, and now he's kind of an afterthought. And, yeah, nobody seems to want to share the ball, and maybe that's because Carmelo doesn't want to share the ball. So, you know, at his age, getting older, he's going to kind of have to change his game a little bit, definitely change his style and maybe his attitude if, if he wants to right the ship because you know again he could be the man that brings you know all the promises that new york has been granted over the past couple seasons bring it to fruition but again if he right now it's just kind of looking like a prima donna and you know woe is me but so after a while it's like okay man we get it like either make it happen or do us all a favor and take the trade so that at least the knicks can you know restock the cupboard when it comes to draft picks you're absolutely right, and to his credit, he has he has put out a little more assists the game. You know, he's at 4.2 right now, but the thing is, I think to your point is, he's got to be able to drop his minutes and defer on some cases. Um, and I know Kristaps Porzingis missed a, a game-winning shot last night against the Pacers, but he's a young kid, so obviously he's going to miss, he's going to make. But he's got Carmelo's got to learn that he's going to have to defer at times, drop his minutes a little bit to preserve himself. He's got knee issues. Yeah. And... You know, being in the league so long, 14 years, he's going to have to relinquish a hold on, on the ball for some some time. Just just to get other people involved, preserve himself, and to, to share share the ball. Because the Knicks need multiple players to close out games these days. Definitely. And, and I just hope for Carmelo's sake he can play at least one season, maybe two or three, with a real point guard. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe that, maybe he's right. Maybe he, he is missing the one piece, which is a vital point guard to the entire uh, situation there and I know the triangle again doesn't necessarily call for a for a lead point but you know maybe the uh, maybe the, maybe the triangle is, an, is, uh, is antiquated and it needs to be kind of uh, swept under the rug because it hasn't really given us the results that, that we've been looking for as Knicks fans well Melo is the star player he needs to speak up and say that yeah I'm, yeah in- Absolutely. Phil Jackson is the guy, but as the star player, you got to make your opinion heard. You know, you, that's part of being the best player on the team. You have to make it so that you, you actually matter. Your opinion actually matters. Sure. And we'll get into about another player who, who may have made some moves in the offseason that we didn't hear about, but disguised by the general manager in the front office. But we'll get into that in Houston later on in the show. Heroes and Zeros. All right, and we're back with Heroes and Zeros, and we're going to stick with the NBA right now because the NBA is hot and we're getting down to crunch time. Uh, if you might have, might have heard, might have, everyone might have heard, especially Stan Van Gundy, but the Pistons and the NBA have voided the three-team Donatus Mate Junas trade. Uh, the power forward did not pass his physical with the Detroit Pistons. So the deal between the Pistons, Rockets, and those lowly 76ers is off. Now, in your estimation, my man Mo, who is the bigger zero in this deal? Is it Montejunas and his ailing back? Or is it the Detroit Pistons for not doing their due diligence sooner? Well, I, I'm guessing Montejunas is going to get those checks regardless. So he's not losing in any part of this. But um, Sure. Pistons definitely because I feel like he could have been a key piece off the bench and he could have really been one of those type of versatile players who can play three different positions and kind of come in when uh, Marcus Morris is not on or if Andre Drummond's in foul trouble. Didn't work out. Pistons don't get the solid role players, so they definitely lose out on this one. At least, though, they do get to keep that top eight protected first round pick, so that's a positive. Yeah, that's, that's very true, and and we'll, we'll see how that works out with uh, Monte Yunus staying in Houston. Obviously, Houston's kind of in the tank, 
But Detroit's going to be in the playoff hunt. So they, they're going to be in the playoff hunt with a high draft pick that sounds good for them and their future. All right, so Future is a hero, but Monte – and Monte Yunus is a hero, but Detroit basically uh, falling asleep at the wheel is a, is a zero. Of course. Okay. And, and spe- speaking of Futures, um, there's a certain Nick that came up from the D-League. The Knicks have reportedly signed a former BYU star, Jimmy Fredette. He's, he's the guy that was uh, on fire in college, and now he's, uh, he's with the Knicks. He was with the Westchester Knicks, and now he's been called up. Do you see Jimmer Fredette making way, making headway on the Knicks roster this season? Jimmer Mania? Jimmer Mania sweeping the garden? Um, no, because Kurt Ramses won't play him. He literally came out and said the other day that uh, he has to outplay a lot of guys to see any He saw two minutes the other night, and it's a shame because this guy can – I mean, he could shoot – I mean, he could shoot the lights out of the building. He, I mean, he averaged – and I know it's the D League, but he averaged 22.3 points a game and shot 40.4% from the three-point line. And he was also selected to the All-Star game. He scored 35 points in 25 minutes, and he won the D League MVP. So, obviously, the guy has kind of reached his cap when it comes to the D League. But, unfortunately, I don't think the Knicks will allow him to be a hero. They're going to kind of saddle him with that zero uh, – tag and, and it's too bad because i mean just ask carmelo you know they asked carmelo uh what do you think about jimmer you know come to nicks what can he do for you and he says to be honest with you i haven't seen jimmy play in a long time carmelo who is this guy who is jim jim wait who he says jimmy his name's jimmer i've i've never seen jimmy for that play either so that's the problem right there is that somebody is just not communicating within the knicks organization and really i think that's the biggest problem that the knicks have had forever I mean, I say why not let the kid play? I mean, the Knicks are obviously not going to make the playoffs. Right. Let the kid play. It's not like you need Jose Calderon out there shooting bricks anymore. Well, do you, so let, you, let you remember some playing time. Remember back let when? Yeah, it's true. Because remember back when when uh, a young man by the name of Stephen Curry came from a little school called uh, Davidson, and he too was not a prototypical point guard because if I remember in his scouting report, had no handles. How'd that work out? Yeah, it worked out pretty good. Now people yeah. watch his handles. So yeah, exactly. And I'm, and I'm not saying by any estimation that Fredette is, is uh, you know, uh, uh, Steph 2.0. But you know what? If a guy, a guy that can shoot like that when you're the Knicks that doesn't, you don't have very much outside shooting, like like you said, let him play. See what he can do. Let, just let him play. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what bad could happen? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing really you could lose at this point. But like you said, Kurt Rambis – it's probably not going to let him play. So we, we won't be experiencing uh, Jimmermania, as you would call it. Uh, I, I don't know. This season. Not going to happen. More frustration. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> speaking of a player who may make a difference on a winning team or may not, based on we'll, we'll talk about that, but Anderson Varejao is now with the Golden State Warriors after he was waived by the Portland Trailblazers, and he's probably going to be stepping in for the injured uh, Festus Nzili on some playing time. Andrew Bogut's kind of in and out of the lineup. He's battling some injuries. So would you say that the Warriors are heroes of zeros for signing Varejo? I, I kind of want to say that this was a zero move, and, and nothing against Anderson and the lovely people of Brazil, but... I just don't I just he's never really did it for me. Like what is he what does he do that is so outstanding? His defense is eh it's okay. He's uh his offense is non existent. For me personally, I if I'm the Golden State Warriors, I would have gone and I would have brought back his second son, David Lee, who oh, who won with you and again I know he wasn't a starter last year, but he was on that championship team. And I know he hasn't played much since January tenth and he's only played in thirty games this year for the Celtics, but you know, in only fifteen minutes a game he's got seven points and four rebounds. So again, he's averaging, you know, you know, about half half his minutes he's getting points. So it's it's pretty good for a guy again that knows the system, was there last year. Basically he's the same exact body type about what what is he, about six ten? But he's got a better offensive game. And if you're the Golden State, you're all about offense. And again, David Lee used to be a double-double machine. He can still pull down those boards. So I just think there would have been more upside with David Lee. So I call the Anderson Varejao move really a zero. I'm actually going to go the other way on that because, I mean, think about it. The Warriors have enough score. They don't need another score. David Lee can't play a lick of defense. I mean, at least Varejao can stand under the hoop and just grab rebounds when Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson miss shots. That's all he's really good for at this point in his career is rebounding and boxing out. So at least you got him for that. David Lee is not going to stand in the pain. He's not going to be boxing out people. David Lee was a double-double guy. Let me give you a little bit of background information on Mr. David Lee, who screwed me last year in my fantasy <laughs> basketball team. 
I drafted him early in my fantasy basketball team on Yahoo and waited for this guy to come back in the lineup with a hamstring injury, and this guy could not stay on the floor. And he actually gave rise to Draymond Green, who I should have drafted. But that's here, no there. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not angry about it. I let it go. Really? Could have fooled but, me. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying every day to, more and more, I'm kind of relinquishing the, the pain of, of losing that lead because if he had came through with his double-doubles, I'm sure I would have been number one. Mm. But it didn't happen, so I let it go. Woosa. Yeah, definitely a Woosa moment. <laughs> We're going to finish up with the NBA with uh, really what could be a, a pretty devastating injury to um, to to a team that you know has all the potential to uh, possibly make a run in the playoffs. The Memphis Grizzlies lost Marcus Saul who will be out for the rest of the regular season after undergoing uh, surgery on his broken right foot. Now, he is 31, just signed a max deal last offseason, and the club does expect him to fully recover from this injury. But, on the contrary, an unknown NBA physical therapist, keyword unknown, must be somebody in the same division, uh, said that there is only about a 10% chance that Gasol ever returns to being the player he was before the injury. Now, yeah. And in your estimation, though, should we expect to see the old hero or the newfound zero next season? Uh, actually, hero. Um, really? Again, Marcus Saul, he, I mean, he just signed a new deal, I believe. Mm. And, you know, foot injuries for big guys are very serious. Yao I mean, you think about it, seven-footers, they, they have issues with their, you know, ankles and feet and knees. So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a good idea to kind of rush him back. The Grizzlies will make the playoffs this year, but... It's not a team that's built to win. And with Conley and Randolph probably going elsewhere next year, you don't want to rush a mediocre rush a, rush a good player back on a mediocre team. Now, he'll be back. He'll be at full strength. And I know there's rumors about the Gasol brothers teaming up on the same team. And we'll see if they can make that happen. Gasol's obviously going to be their centerpiece for the near future. But um, I expect him to come back to full strength and be fine with the team. Yeah, I mean it's it's very possible, but I just worry about a thirty-one-year-old guy with 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 foot feet problems, foot 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 problems, foots foots problems as uh, <laughs> because like you know there's a lot of guys like you said Yao Ming had to basically retire after uh, after the same type of injury, and not saying it's that severe, but again when you're that big and you're putting that much pressure on those tiny little bones in your feet, yeah, it's just uh, it's a recipe for disaster. So we wish you the best, Mark. Get back and. Uh, Go Memphis? I don't know. Transitioning over to the NFL with uh, the scouting combine, as we spoke about earlier, fully underway in Indianapolis. A bit of information comes out of New York today, and it appears that Jason Pierre-Paul of the New York Football Giants is reportedly suing ESPN and NFL insider Adam Schefter. Now, for those of you who didn't hear about this story, Schefter, on July 8th of last year, only four days after JPP's horrific uh, firework accident, revealed JPP's actual medical report on Twitter. Now, only four days after, it's kind of blatant disregard for a human being's right to privacy, and it seems like the Schefter is completely in the wrong. Uh, so, obviously, how big of a zero is he, Mo? He's a big zero for this one, mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm a guy who I like Adam Schefter, but he obviously crossed the lines on this one. As a reporter and as a sports media personality, you should know the law. And this is something that most people knew. Once the Twitter photo was posted of JPP's medical record, a lot of people replied and said, hey, hey, Shefty, aren't you crossing the line here with HIPAA laws? And these are, these are average citizens, so he should know that he should, he's going to be subject to scrutiny and, and maybe compensation from JPP about making that post. Now, you can say what you want about what JPP did to get in that situation, but you don't need to make a bad situation worse by breaking the law. So Adam Schefter needs to know better. Yeah, especially after he admitted to uh, Sports Illustrated that uh, that he actually shouldn't have done it. It should not have provided uh, the medical record and should have protected it. So he's definitely going to be on the hook for uh, quite a bit of money, and I can definitely I can see a little bit of a suspension coming his way from ESPN. Uh, you know, ESPN likes to back their own, but when you break the law, there's no way around that, and they have to uh, discipline them for that. We'll see what, what comes of it and what happens. Oh, yeah. uh, speaking of un unforeseen future events, uh, RG3, someone who was blasted by the NFL media for his poor play, is, is basically uh, is basically kind of resurfacing as, as a hopeful to, to, to start maybe for another team or maybe a backup to learn for a couple of years. And he's going to be a free agent and on the market. So where, where do you see RG3 
RG3 going? And is he a zero or a hero actually for uh, kind of just maybe rehabilitating his career? I, I wish the guy nothing but the best. I hope he that I hope he can regain that hero status. Um, it's just there's man those knees and I just I worry about him, especially if reports are correct that San Francisco might possibly look at him. Uh, really like Chip Kelly with running that offense and just running for your life constantly. It's just not a good look. I mean, if he gets hit the wrong way again, he really can't afford that. And I understand that he basically, you know, he missed a whole year. So basically had an entire year to recoup and recover and that's fine. But I don't like him in San Francisco. Another place that people are talking about is face of the LA Rams, which is great because from whatever today, Case Keenum is going to go into the season as a starting quarterback. And that's just horrible. Nick Foles has to battle for, uh, for playing time, especially after give him, you know, about $22 million last year. That's kind of hard to fathom. But again, going into LA is just going to put a lot of pressure on, on him that he really doesn't need. He kind of needs to focus and, and, uh, kind of, I would, in my estimation, his best bet would be going to a team like New Orleans. A uh, guy like Sean Payton, who's kind of, a, you know, a bit of an offensive guru behind Drew Brees. Brees is only signed for another year, 37 years old. Uh, you know, who knows how much Brees has left in the tank. So if he could go go to a team like the Saints, doesn't have to be them, but uh, learn from a guy like a like a, a Drew Brees, who's you know been a consummate pro, who's kind of kept his uh, he's he's kind of stayed healthy for the most part of his career as well. I think that would give him the best opportunity to then come in uh, and, and you know a little bit of mop up duty. Who knows if Brees goes down, and you know next year and the years beyond because he's still basically a young man. I actually like I actually like him going to Dallas. Maybe that's just me because Dallas has a really good offensive line, and we know Tony Romo is one collarbone injury away from missing more time. So I feel like he'll be good there. Romo is kind of mobile. RG three obviously mobile. He can throw the ball. That Texas connection. Playing in Dallas, Texas, he played at Baylor in college, so he'll you know he kind of like go back to the state and you know reinvent himself. But we'll we'll see where he ends up. Um, as far as players reinventing themselves uh the baltimore ravens are bringing in trent richardson for a physical and john harbaugh was quick to say it's you know nothing's finalized yet but we're, we're looking at him now would you say that if they sign trent richardson is that a hero or a zero move for the baltimore ravens i mean i guess it's got upside but it just seems like a zero move like you've got justin Forsett. i understand that he you know had a pretty bad injury last year and there's a potential that you might cut him to save his cap hit i get that but javor's allen looked like the real deal i mean he you know again he again it's, it was a small a bite-sized uh you know glimpse of what he could do i'm not a big talia farrell fan so I guess it can't hurt because you sign him for peanuts, you know, give him incentives. If he makes the team, it's it's not going to, you know, I don't think it's going to happen because he was miserable with the Colts. He didn't do anything for Oakland. And, uh, you know, this guy, there's just a lot of pressure on him where he was drafted by the Browns. He was supposed to be the second coming of Jim Brown, and it just didn't pan out. So I hope for him uh, that he can become a hero. But right now there's just way too much uh, negativity and way too much doubt. So, you know, I have to say zero at this time. But I'm rooting for you, Trent, because, you know, nobody deserves that uh, that negative uh, price tag. I don't know. It's just... I mean, the thing is with Trent Richardson, I understand he, you know, he had high acclaim coming out of Alabama. And I tell people this all the time, Alabama runs a really good system out there. So big running backs, technically, they do very well in college. But when they come to the NFL, they don't really do too much. I mean, you had, I, I believe, one running back come out, and he, he did really well. But it, it Glenn Coffey, I mean, people looking at Derrick Henry now, and he's massive, massive. And, and like again, once you get to the NFL, you have to, you have to be able to move. You have to be flexible. you got to go in and out of tackles, and it's all about fluidity. And the Alabama, they kind of run a power offense where they just kind of mow into the, the offensive line and just kind of bully you. The problem the problem I see with, with that is that I, I put the blame on, on Nick Saban because Nick Saban runs Alabama like they're a professional team. And he is running these, these kids, mostly these running backs, into the ground. You look at the running backs that have come out over the past couple of years, Eddie Lacy running him into the ground. Uh, you look at... at 
obviously, we're, who we're talking about right now, Trent Richardson. These guys, Mark Ingram. I mean, you look at all of these guys who have basically the same type of body, the same type of power running style, and and you look at Henry this year, who I can't. What did? How many times did he touch the ball? Was it, it was something insane, like three three hundred times he rushed the ball. I mean, there was the one game that he ran the ball thirty eight times. Like that is just too much punishment on on a young person who should not have to take that much punishment. And again, they're going to break down because Nick Saban is all about the championship, and that's fine. But what kind of professional career and life going further, further are these gentlemen going to have? Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And and when I think of Derrick Henry, I just think of Brandon Jacobs. Big guy, but will, how long would he last playing that type of run style? We'll, but again, we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on to my favorite time of year because uh, I love me some baseball. Um, it's uh, There's a lot of contract negotiations, contract problems going on, and we'll get to a little bit of everything. But the one that kind of, uh, I don't know, ticked me off a little bit was uh, Jose Batista, Joey Bats of Toronto Blue Jays, telling the Toronto Brass that he is not going to accept accept a hometown discount and he's refuted this in the past couple of days he says that he never said it blah 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 but it came from somewhere he's telling them that he wants to get at least 150 million dollar contract over the next five years this dude is 36 years old okay uh he's had a string of injury problems and you want a 30 million dollar contract per year over the next five years which would bring you to the age of 41 i get that they have the dh but this doesn't make sense uh, Mo, would you agree, or or you tell me that I'm the zero? No, I would agree with that. I mean, we can learn from the Albert Pujols situation that you know you just don't play an old player, older player, that type of money. I know contracts in baseball are a lot better than the NBA, and NFL, and he wants his money. Get your dough. I'm not, you know, against anyone getting their money. Trust sure. me. But when it comes down to business, you got to look at you know risk reward, and the 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 reward is just not there long-term for that type of money. No, definitely not. And, it, and the thing that really kind of flabbergasted me was that when his agent tried to compare him and his, his playing style to Miguel Cabrera of the Detroit Tigers and the one and only Derek Cheater. Um, a couple things to keep in mind, please. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, roughly four years younger than Batista and a former Triple Crown winner. Also, he's had nothing but, you know, 10 years in a row of batting over 300, you know, at least 30 home runs. And uh, Jeter won five rings. So um, it's just a little bit hard to digest that you that a guy that's representing you would even throw those names into the, you know, the comparison uh, trade because that's it's just ridiculous. All right. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. Uh Speaking of transactions, we got pitcher Giovanni Gallardo, Bigardo if you're Hispanic or Latino, uh, who last season pitched in tech with the Texans, signs a two-year deal that contains a club option for a third year. Gallardo had originally signed a three-year deal worth 30, $35 million guaranteed, but his physical revealed a shoulder issue. Now, the Baltimore Orioles seeing Gung Ho and bringing him in, do you think that's a uh, higher risk? Is that a zero or a hero for the Baltimore Orioles? Uh, th- this kind of seems like the, what we were talking about earlier with the whole uh, uh, Detroit Pistons fiasco with not really you know, doing your homework before you want to sign a guy. I mean, this guy was on the market for a reason. Nobody's, nobody touched him since last last season and obviously he had decent numbers last year okay Gallardo he's never been you know he's never going to win you more than 15 games but he pitches over 200 innings every year so you know what you're going to get you know what you're going to get with him and luckily you know they were able to go back and squash the deal and he does sign that two-year deal so there's not a whole lot of risk there's more reward so I would say this is a hero deal especially for a pitching staff that I just think is kind of miserable I mean Chris Tillman okay Ubaldo Jimenez all right, Gossman's going to be the kind of the guy there that's going to push him one way or the other, and Miguel Gonzalez. But this is a this is a club that is is all offense. I mean, they went out and they 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 re-signed Chris Davis and they tried to do all these different things here. But I mean, you look at him as four point one one ERA. Tillman and Gonzalez finished over five. I mean, I know Gallardo has a three point six six ERA in his career, and he and he he had a decent year last year at three point four two. But this is just this is not. A pitching staff that is going to scare anybody, and their and their their uh their bullpen's pretty good. Darren O'Day, you know they've got all these other guys that can come in and, and shut you down. But again, you have to get to them, and and they tried to sign Dexter Fowler, and if anybody saw today, this was just a huge mess. That after everyone actually thought he signed a three year thirty three million dollar deal, he didn't. Okay, he actually mm-hmm. uh the, what what 
transpired is that he asked for an out clause, which is the new uh, the new thing in, in Major League Baseball, that all these guys are signing huge eight, nine, ten-year deals, but they're giving an out clause after three years. So he wanted an out clause after two, and Baltimore said, no thanks. So he goes back to Chicago. He's going to reclaim his center field position, and the Cubs, who were going to put Jason Hayward in, in center field, who's never played center field, they're going to take his $288 million contract, put him back to right where he's most comfortable. But what that does, it's going to force kind of the Cubs to go a little bit of a platoon situation with Kyle Schwarber, who's not a left fielder at all. And I fear that he's going to really cost the Cubs a lot of runs in a couple games because he's just not an outfielder. And they've got Jorge Soler, who's got a huge bat, kind of looks like a, a, a Puig replica, is just a giant, giant man. And a guy who's kind of... Uh, Still trying to figure it out. They're both young guys, early 20s. So, at least for the Cubs, they've kind of set themselves up for, uh, for you know, the long term because they've got their, their center fielder back. He's their leadoff man, and they can kind of figure out what they're going to do in left field. So, for the Cubs, he's a hero. For the Baltimore end, this is a zero because you lost the guy that was going to be plugged into your right field position. Um, and you Adam Jones is obviously in center field. But there is just way, way too much... Uh, kind of unknowing this going into the season and we're already in spring training so Baltimore is definitely already uh hitting the panic button in my estimation especially in the AL East Marlins manager Don Manley has banned his players from wearing facial hair this season do you think that's gonna sway players away from coming to Miami do you think that's a hero or a zero type of move see I'm kind of biased here because obviously uh, obviously I'm a, I'm a what what I'm a Yankee fan, um, so to me, it's kind of been all of those things where it's I, I get it like a team unity thing. So these guys, super young in Miami, um, I think the average player on the team is 25 years old. So I kind of like it. I just think it, look, this team needs to come together. They need to they need to start winning. If you listen to what Giancarlo Stanton said last week, he said this is the time. There's no more messing around. You know, this guy is one of the best power hitters in the game. And if he can stay healthy for an entire season, he may hit 60 home runs. But that's neither here nor there. So I, I like it. You know, Don's trying to bring a little bit of that, you know, New York Yankee swagger to Miami. You know, you've been a you've been a miserable club for a, a while now. So why not shake it up? He's doing the exact opposite. Don't players usually grow their beards out for a solidarity? I mean, you see it in hockey as well where, where players grow out their facial hair during the season because it's, it represents the grind, kind of. He's doing it the opposite way. And I know it's I know you mentioned the Yankees doing this, but guess what? The Miami Marlins don't have the same bankroll as the Yankees, so I, I don't see how it transfers into the Yankees. Have you been in Miami in July? It is like 200 degrees. The humidity is 600%. I know they're playing a dome, but it's just it, it's too much. It's hot. I played baseball. Those pants are sticky. It's dirty. You know what? It's a good look when everybody's kind of clean shaven. Everybody's kind of professional. It's like going to work. You can't have you can't have scruff. You can't have a patchy beard. Yeah, but I mean they're getting dirty every day. It's not like they're coming to work with suits and ties on. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, well. Get up. You know what? I'm all for it. Brought a big Santa Claus beard, but at least let him have a, a goatee or a mustache. Well, he did. He did. when he was the manager of the Dodgers, there was there wasn't this rule. You know, everybody kind of did their own thing. So you know, he had, Donnie had a decent run with the Dodgers. So maybe he's just trying to trying to bring something else to the to the Marlins. You know, I can't blame him for trying. He's got a, he's got an interesting club there. I don't necessarily think Giancarlo is correct. I don't think that team is ready to make an, a push. You know, they got to beat out the Washington Nationals, the New York Mets. I mean, I think their best shot is a, is a, is a third-place finish. But, you know, if the clean-shaven thing works for you, you win some games, keep it going. If not, maybe by August everybody will have uh, the Santa Claus beard, like you said. <laughs> Trust me, this is not going to be the 2003 Florida Marlins. So. Uh, more than likely not who beat my New York Yankees. I don't want to talk yeah, about that. And it's not, it's not going to happen. So he can, you know, whether he wants them to shave or not, they're not winning the NLE. Open mic. ESPN's Mark Stein is reporting that the Nets and Joe Johnson are discussing a buyout situation, which would obviously give Joe Johnson the chance to, you know, survey the field, play the field a little bit, and sign with a contending team. Now, where do you see the best spot for Joe Johnson from here on out, whether he signs long-term or short-term? Well, there's a couple of teams that I think would, would definitely benefit from him being on the court. Uh, I think his old stopping grounds in Atlanta would be a nice spot because, you know, 
yeah, Kyle Corbers, all right, you know, he's okay. Ken Bazemore, he's okay. But I think I think going home would definitely, you know, push this team, uh, you know, to where they need to go. They kind of need a guy uh, who can kind of not only drive, spread the ball, hit the open three. I, I definitely think he, he, he could be an asset to that club. And obviously, you know, we all know by now, yeah, Cleveland, yeah, another guy. It's going to be another, another two or another three. I mean, I, eh. I think of it this way. It could go three ways, and I look at this three ways. He can go to a team where he'll have a sizable role and he can win some games in OKC. OKC needs a third player. I feel they need a third part. They don't have that knockdown shooter. Let's say if Kevin Durant is off, if, if Russell Westbrook is dishing the ball, acting more like a point guard than a shooting guard, who's that third player? It used to be Harden. Obviously, he went on and had his own career, and he has his own career in Houston. But who's that third player that's going to be in the playoffs knocking down shots? Joe Johnson can go there and fill that role. I, yeah, like I just don't. Said, but do you th- really think that there's enough shots to go around? Because, I mean... I, Deion Waiters doesn't touch the ball anymore. I believe, I believe so. I mean, you think about it. Joe Johnson has the cachet where he's going to demand some shots. I don't know you have Deion Waiters there, but, I mean, they don't really respect Deion Waiters there. Who? I mean, who really does? I know if it's Deion Waiters, <laughs> Damn. he's not the guy coming out of Syracuse that people thought he was going to be. Yeah, no. But Joe Johnson has put in work in this league. He has more than a decade, and I believe that he can go to a OKC team and just be a spot-up shooter. Now, he has a little bit of everything in his game at his advanced age where he can kind of fill some spots there and maybe not put OKC over the hump, but maybe he can put them in contention really with the Golden State Warriors and the Spurs, possibly. I'm not saying he could, but he'll have a sizable role and he can win games there. But he has an advanced age, so he's like, what, 63 years old? Like Yeah, he's 63, <laughs> but he still hit jumpers, okay? Let's put it that way. Speaking of his old age, he can also win in Cleveland, which you just said it's kind of like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've heard about those rumors about him going to Cleveland previously, and it could still happen. And, of course, if he goes there, he'll go to an NBA Finals and have a chance to win. That's up to him. Or he can go back to the team that drafted him in the Boston Celtics, who obviously are looking for some parts, but I don't see him winning there, obviously. He, that would probably be the worst team to go to as far as him wanting to win immediately. Yeah, especially in Evan Turner's actually playing a little bit like the Evan Turner that we all thought he was when he came out of Ohio State. Right, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's, it's going to be up to, to Joe what he wants. Does he want a sizable role? Does he want to win? Does he want a ring? I mean, people assume that all players want to win or want a ring. And for him, that's going to be up to him to make up his mind. What, what does he weigh more in his mind? And at this stage, if I were him, I would say winning, so I would go to the Cavs. But if he wants to be, you know, you know, maintain a, a, a decent role, I would go to KC. K- OKC. But um, on to a guy who has a, a big role on his team and maybe bigger than, than people would like to like him to have, James Harden reportedly, reported by CBS Sports, Ken Berger, he pushed to fire Kevin McHale and trade Dwight Howard at the deadline. Now, do you see that as an abuse of power? Do star players deserve that much power in the locker room? No, definitely not. I mean, it's one thing to like we like we talked about earlier with Carmelo, you know, suggesting that it's time for you know people to step up and trying to get trying to get players on their team. Definitely not going the opposite direction and telling management they need to trade someone or release someone or fire a coach. I mean, this was a team last year that I believe they were the three seed. Uh, Kevin McHale did a fantastic job with all these different personalities, and and I'm sh- and we all know that you know the Dwight Howard saga that he's not exactly the greatest teammate, but it certainly sounds like uh, James Harden is also not a very good teammate. I mean, first you go ahead and you cheat on my girl Khloe Kardashian, and now you're trying to break up the Houston Rockets. You know what, my man? It's time for you to take a seat because you. Sh- I'm telling you, you, shave off that beard, you ugly. <laughs> Listen. Hey, no personal attacks against James Harden. No, he, he made me angry. You don't cheat on my girl, Chloe. Listen, listen, maybe Chloe didn't want him. Maybe she wants Lamar back, okay? Oh, we don't know, okay? We yeah. don't know what happened behind closed doors there. But maybe. Harden, I mean, I think of it this way. He's trying to put a stamp on the Rockets as his team. I don't agree with his defensive efforts, and he needs to step that up if he's going to make the man's. But it, it, it goes to show you that these players have a lot more leverage than we think. And once you're the best player on the team, you you you, you do have say in what goes on because you are the guy that is going to get the blame when the team loses. You're going to get the credit when the team wins. So why not have some say? And, and maybe for Dwight Howard, it's a little bit of karma because if you remember, he's the guy that's the culprit of pushing Stan Van Gundy 
out of Orlando. No, I forgot so about saying, that. I don't Come bad on. Yeah, no, I absolutely. It's a terrible situation. But what is what does Harden think if he they get? I mean, they're not going to re-sign Howard. Who is he going to play with next year or this year? Patrick Beverly is he going to be your number two option? Like that is a that's a really actually bad team. Monta Yunus doesn't play anymore. Uh, they don't they don't have they don't have any other options. So maybe that's what that maybe that's what Harden wants. He wants to take sixty five shots a game because he's going to have to. Yeah, I mean, that if that's what he wants, he's going to get it because Houston doesn't have the means of reloading. I mean, Hart is not the most liked player in the league, yeah. so you got to figure that he's probably going to be the number one guy and is probably going to be a, a number two guy far behind him when it comes to taking shots. Yeah, I think this is one of those guys you were just but, talking see. about. Maybe does he, what's more important, winning or, you know, ego? You know, at the end of the day, he left Oklahoma City. Yes, he wasn't. He was a six man coming off the bench. But if he really wanted to win a title, he would have still gotten paid. He would have stayed with Oklahoma. So I'm just saying. Hey, maybe he can recruit Joe Johnson to come over and play in Houston. Nah, he don't want Joe touching the ball. 65 year old Joe Johnson. <laughs> my man. Advanced age. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, speaking of moves and moves made and potential moves made, the Jets. Feel, feel very confident about keeping their their three top in-house free agents, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Muhammad Wilkinson, and Damon Harrison. Uh, the GM said that he's confident in re-signing Fitzpatrick. Uh, based on SpotRack.com, he's going to be oh, he's going to demand about ten eleven million dollars. Uh, he also said Wilkinson and Harrison will, are options for the franchise tag. Now the Jets have twenty one point six million dollars in cap. I'm not a math major. But I'm not seeing where this happens where all three of them come back. So I'm, maybe I'm crazy for this one, or, or do you see some magic happening somewhere? Yeah, no, I, I definitely think your math is on point. Um, yeah, obviously they cut Cromartie. Uh, you're, you're not going to re-sign Chris Ivory, which means I don't know how you're going to sign re-sign Bilal Powell, which they've also said that they're interested, which means you're definitely not going to be able to sign Matt Forte. So I, I don't know. I don't know where that money's coming from. I honestly. Where, I mean, is there a pile of gold I'm missing? Is there a rainbow that I didn't see? Because yeah. this money obviously is not just not there. It's I mean, Muhammad Wilkinson is going to demand about maybe north of $100 million. If you sign him to a long-term deal, if he's franchise tagged, he's going to be worth about $15 million. Yeah, it's, it, it just doesn't make sense financially, especially when you, know, you drafted the kid out of USC last year who basically plays the same position. So, I mean, and I know it would be nice to keep all these guys on the defensive line, but it just, at the end of the day, somebody's got to go, and you need a quarterback, and it, it, please, for the love of all that is mighty, do not let it be Geno Smith. I mean, we made such, <laughs> we made such ground this year with the, the fantastic play of the wide receivers that you cannot take a step backwards, and, and so you obviously you need to bring back Fitzpatrick, no, he's not going to be the guy that you're going to keep forever, but for now, he works. So, if I, I hate to say it, but if there's any guy that's really the odd man out, it very well could be Wilkerson, and you really got to take a hard look at Darrell Revis. I, 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 he's, still the, he's still a very, very good cornerback, but at that cap hit, and I know last time we asked him about taking a, a pay cut, that whole de- <laughs> debacle transpired where eventually he got traded to, to Tampa, so... it's just not looking good especially last year at this time we had like 55 million dollars in excess cap space so it's uh from one year to the next the nfl is really an amazing amazing process that uh hey but at least there's a two million dollar uh i think it's two million dollars that the cap's going up this year so that's one thing right they're projected to be to have a whole team salary of 154 million this year which kind of raises it than what they expected i believe they expected 153 million you get an extra million but i mean i mean Based on what the Jets situation is, it's still going to be rough for them. And I'm in the minority of saying, you know, Fitzpatrick, let him go. I mean, the guy's been in the league for how long? He doesn't have one playoff appearance. So he's going to, he's going to magically take you to the promised land now? And for $10, $11 million, you're going to let two defensive pieces go? Think of it this way. A team could win a Super Bowl with a mediocre quarterback and a great defense. You saw that with Denver this year. No offense to you, Peyton Manning, but you weren't throwing darts out there. So... Based on that, you can draft a quarterback with promise, or you can coach up Bryce Petty and just put him behind a really good defense. I mean, you saw with Ben Roethlisberger when he came to the league. I believe he won a Super Bowl in his second year. Mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger was nowhere near polished, but he had a good, a really good Pittsburgh Steelers defense to play behind. And I believe the Jets should follow the same blueprint. I mean, Brian Fitzpatrick for another two years may be good, but it's not going to get you over the hump. 
Yeah, no, I, that's really, it's a great point. Uh, I like what, obviously, Petty did in, in Baylor. It's still Baylor, but I, I like his makeup. I think he's got a, a, an NFL-style arm. He's got a little bit of mobility. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, again, you can only spend so much. So, you know, you, you still I, you still need a running back. I mean, we got to get somebody in there. So there's just a lot of key positions that are kind of up in the air. So it's, it's going to have to come from somewhere, and hopefully they make the, the right decision. But I, I don't think Todd Bowles will, will let them stray too far from the defensive being that he's a defensive guy. Yeah, he's he's a defensive guru out there, and he won't he won't put a, a a bad defense out there. But he he really needs to maintain his parts and think of like a defensive minded coach. Just have a good enough quarterback to get you by, and just and just build a rock hard defense and see where that gets you. And I believe it'll get the Jets far enough to to actually contend for a Super Bowl victory. Well, let's hope so. Uh, that was our open mic segment. Hope you enjoyed, and uh, we'll be right back with the wrap up. This is The Wrap-Up. Okay, last week we had a question from Mo. This week we got a question from Mike. Uh, we've heard a lot of draft NFL draft prospects refusing to play for franchises. I know you may have heard about Eli Manning not wanting to play for the San Diego Chargers. He was obviously eventually traded to the Giants. Way back in 83, John Elway refused to play for the Baltimore Colts. Now, what NBA team, aside from the losing Philadelphia 76ers, who were trying to trust in the process, <laughs> what team would you refuse to play for if you were drafted first in the NBA draft this year? You know, when you when if I first was posed with this question, I thought it was simple. And then the more I thought about it, I thought, how many horrible teams there are in the NBA? There's <laughs> so many bad teams. And it's funny because they always talk about parody this and parody that. And the, the level of parody in the NBA is non-existent at this point. Like we said last week, there's three teams that are really going to contend for for the championship. And in football and in baseball, that's where the parity's at. I mean, obviously, baseball, the Kansas City Royals won the World Series last year. So thinking back uh, to the original question, I, I narrowed it down in the first two, three teams. Uh, I, des- I decided that the Phoenix Suns would be number one because of that horrendous situation that that has gone on there uh, with the firing of Jeff Hornacek and then the whole um, the, the Morris situation uh, you know beating up his teammates on the floor and, and then I was like you know Phoenix is really hot so I don't know if I'd want to deal with that and then there's scorpions so that was my first option and then my second option was uh was the Utah Jazz and and I've, I've been to Utah Park City is phenomenal and and Salt Lake is pretty cool too so taking that out of the equation, those uniforms are horrible. That green and gold and purple, that's terrible. And the name the name Jazz should have stayed in New Orleans long ago. So I actually want to start a petition like the Hornets did to get their name back to Charlotte. I want to get the Jazz name back to uh, New Orleans, but that's, you know, we'll talk about that later. Um and they they've got they've got some some not so great players like okay Rudy Gobert is your number 1. Um my man out of uh Butler, um Gordon Hayward white lightning he's number two <laughs> and then you're talking about trading trey burke who was really good at michigan but it's just been okay in the nba so there's nothing really there that makes me want to go to play in utah and then number three um you know this is a tough one but houston like we were just talking about i would not want to play with james harden and i know he could probably get me all that free reebok swag but yeah. um not reebok i'm sorry adidas and uh, uh you know and we can go to, to shop together at the footlocker but uh, he just seems like a, a kind of a, a, a franchise killer at this point, especially with Dwight Howard being there. So it's kind of up in the air. But you know what? At the end of the day, I think the worst option might be Denver. Um, and not because, really? yeah, not uh, Denver's a beautiful city. Um, Colorado's a great place to ski. You got the Peyton, yeah, coming from Denver, Colorado, yeah, right now. Yeah, I know. You got you got Denver. You got the you got Peyton Manning connection. But that team, I man. Brian Shaw, you have ruined them. You ruined Kenneth Fareed. Danilo Gallinari plays on one leg. Uh, Wilson Chandler doesn't even play. Ty Lawson, Ty Lawson's a pariah. Okay, nobody wants him. No one wants. So I don't know what what happened in Denver, but but from the Carmelo Anthony trade, we talk how it affected the Knicks. I think it did more damage to. Uh, to Denver because they, they barely have any of those parts left or if they do they're broken so uh it's really a toss-up any one of those four teams I think uh man that's a, that's really it what, what about you Mo because you know I, 
You know what? I'm I'm a selfish guy at this point in my career. I'm a young guy. I wouldn't want to play for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and here's why. People say, well, you might win a championship. Well, we might not with the Golden State Warriors playing as well as they are right now. I want the ball. I want to be able to get some shots off. <laughs> and on a team with LeBron James and, and, and J.R. Smith and all these guys, I'm not getting any shots. Yeah, I'm well, not getting any burn. I need to be seen, okay? But, but you're not going to get any shots because you're five foot eight. So that hey, is the big problem right let's, there. Let's let let's talk about this for a minute. If I get the right sneakers, I could be five nine and a half. Oh okay? my goodness! So let's and let's let's get that straight. And a trampoline minute. under the key. Yeah, that would be I the big. You remember, part. but Nate Robinson was pretty good at five seven. Yeah, where's so. he now? China? I think hey, he's in China. Hey, they love him out there. Uh, they love yeah, him. Wherever him and, he is, they love him. Him he's and Steph, like champion too. At that. Him so. and Steph Marbury, they're getting gold uh, gold statues made in their honor. I mean, people love Nate Robinson who's at the Garden. I mean, come on. I couldn't stand that, him. That, that could be me. See, and I, I won't I won't have that Nate Robinson swag if I go to Cleveland because I'm not getting any shots. Oh, uh, my. Yeah, it's true. But it's funny, Nate, and going a little bit off topic, but my favorite Nate Robinson memory is when him and Carmelo got in that fight at the Garden. This is obviously when Carmelo was a, was a nugget. And the, the worst the worst fight I've ever seen in my life. It was like a Bellator MMA fight that Carmelo's swinging and he's backing up the entire time. And like, you got like my man, like little, little Rudy Huxtable, like trying to get in there throwing some bows. That was, that to me will, will be the epitome of Nate Robinson, not the slam dunk competitions. Note to self or note to you. Don't mess with the short guy. We got hand skills. Okay. <laughs> got the Napoleon complex. Yeah, we, we, we got that. I mean, look at, look at the box. Look at the great boxers of the world. I mean, think about it. Floyd Mayweather. How tall is he? Think about that Short? for a minute. Yeah, yeah. We had that. We had that hand-eye coordination where you tall six foot plus guys don't have that. You got, <laughs> you guys got a slow punch. Your hook is very, very slow. By the time you throw a hook, we, we hit you with like five jabs. Off the bat, so I mean, come on. I Let's mean, be serious. maybe, but I to 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 your uh, Floyd Mayweather point, I still think that uh, I'd love to see him and Conor McGregor in a in a octagon or a boxing ring. I that's, think that's not fair. Why? Why I mean, is it not fair? A boxing ring with a, with a fighter. Floyd Floyd says that he can beat anyone. So let's see. Even if you said okay, so let's let's make it fair. Let's tell Conor McGregor that he there's no grappling, there's no kicking. I'd still put lose. my money on McGregor. He'd lose. No, McGregor. Conor McGregor is is very he's very good at selling himself and he, he obviously has you hooked but that, that's <laughs> all another conversation. Conor I just McGregor I just like his I like the eagle tattoo on his chest. He's hot right now, so yeah. I would expect he has a lot of backing for for his fighting skills. But I wouldn't say he's a slouch, but he's not beating Floyd Mayweather with just hand skills. So, oh, no, maybe not. But I'd still pay I'd pay ninety nine ninety five to to see that fight. But just to <laughs> recap, you don't want to play with LeBron. Because you want your shot, and I don't want to play in a place that it's like two hundred degrees. That seems about fair. Yeah, it's about fair. I mean, we we have different values when it comes to it, and we talked about that with Joe Johnson. There's different players. They they look for different things when they go to teams. Some people want shots, like me. Some people want money. Some people want championships, and and it all it all goes to it. And and Eli Manning and John Elway both had their reasons for not wanting to go where they were drafted. Yeah, well, so, that that worked out pretty well for the both of them, I would say. Right. Mm-hmm, obviously, so I mean, and and that's it. I mean, Mike obviously, uh, he's gonna get a lot of hate mail from different cities. <laughs> I encourage you to still send in those questions for Mike and Mo. We'll answer them graciously as we just did, and sometimes fight over certain things. Yes, Mike will call me short, and I will say, "Hey, at least I can fight." Yes, this is true, and and <laughs> and just to Mo's point, I've never been to anywhere near Phoenix. I hear Tempe's a great time, Arizona State. Um. I, so I can't speak. I'm just speaking because I know people that from there that say it's really hot and there's scorpions. So that's the same reason. Same reason I won't go to Australia because there's a lot of things that can kill people that are you know belong in the water. So let's just uh, let's just remember that next time you before you book your Expedia.com uh, tickets to go anywhere. Okay. Yeah, we're we're just looking out for your best interest. We're looking out for your safety here at Mikey Mo. So Absolutely. I mean, we gave sports, we gave you safety, we gave we give everything to you guys. We're all about the people. You know, it's all about the people. Hey. Absolutely. So that's it. That is episode two of the Mike and Mo show. It's been real. It's been fun. Make sure to hit us up on social media. Our uh, our Facebook page is now live, facebook.com slash Mike Mo show. And hit us up on Twitter, twitter.com slash Mike Mo show. We got a fantastic graphic coming at you hopefully this Saturday. Be sure to follow, like, tell your friends, tell your, uh, tell your people that aren't your friends, tell everybody. And, your enemies, uh, your teachers. Yeah, you know, we want to keep this show going. We want to know what you like, what you don't like, but be kind. Um, rewind. 
do your thing. And uh, you know what? It's been a lot of fun, Mo. Thank you, as always, for uh, taking your time out of your busy schedule of uh, shooting three-pointers and trying to make the NBA. Crossovers. I got handled like Stephen Curry, by the way. Just putting that out there. Stephen Curry. Mike, it's, it's been great. We had a great show. Absolutely, my brother. I look forward to doing it again next week, and I'm sure we'll have plenty of uh, fantastic things to hit you in the world of sports because that's the beauty of sports. It's always happening. It's always around you. Remember, without life, there is no, no sports. sports. Absolutely. We'll talk to you guys soon. Hit us up on social media, and everybody have a fantastic week. Peace.